One thing I want to mention before I play the intro music is that this episode is, there's so many loops opened. There's so many random topics talked about from starting a business in Spain to getting a visa in Spain to lifestyle business versus startup businesses that, you know, you're probably going to have more questions than answers at the end of it. So if you want to join the discussion, all the people who have been interviewed are willing to answer your questions. You can find the links plus the discussion at tropicalmba.com slash Spain. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Welcome to the podcast where we talk about lifestyle businesses, a term I think often misunderstood and a little unfairly treated in the blogosphere. Lifestyle businesses, they don't necessarily need to be small. It just means that the owner, that's you and me, gets to set the tone for what goes down in the business. That means the business can serve you too and not the other way around. So I've met lifestyle business owners that have $10 million in sales a year, right? They don't have investors. They don't have anybody that they need to answer to except for their own clients. And those are the clients and customers that they've chosen. And they're not necessarily maximizing just for money. You know, maybe they could improve the amount of profit that they were making if they opened up another business that does the same thing in Europe or in Asia. And they're just like, you know what? I'm okay with my $10 million in sales a year. That's good for me. That's good for my family. That's what I want to do. That's a lifestyle business. That's what we talk about on this show. However, this week, we're going to talk a little bit more about lifestyle. So if you need your business fixed this week, I recommend that you listen to a great podcast made by the people behind This American Life. It's called Startup, and it shows the journey of starting a business over multiple episodes. It's really, really entertaining. But I found myself sort of viscerally disagreeing with a lot of their approaches in a productive way. I mean, they're doing fantastic work. They're doing great things. But I wouldn't do it that way. And so I wanted to do a response or a companion piece to Startup on this week's show. And I know many of you have already listened to Startup. It's sort of blazing through the iTunes charts. It's being talked about. So I want to talk about it on this show in the coming weeks. So if you got some spare time, please do give it a listen. Me, Ian, and Taylor will come on the show in a few weeks to do a response to that series. This week's episode, however, is going to be about lifestyle. You know, some of us, like my co-host Ian, kind of came out of the womb wanting to start a business. There's a lot of people like me who really the inspiration was the personal freedom and the agency that it promised. And it was like dreaming of being in a foreign country or what that represents to you that can inspire us to do all the hard work necessary to be your own boss, to grow your own business. This week's guests all have a few things in common. The first is that they had a similar dream. You know, they quit their jobs and started businesses so that they too could have personal freedom. And the second thing is a little bit more niche. And I actually think maybe we could play some music to set the scene. All three of the people that I'm going to interview today are living in Spain this summer. And it's interesting to me, at least in this little community, and this might be like a little bit of inside baseball, but amongst location-independent entrepreneurs, of course, we're always arguing, weighing the pros and cons of where to live, which city is best. But one thing seems pretty universal. No one can really argue against Europe in the summer. And it does seem that every summertime, thousands of location-independent entrepreneurs 
go to Europe. And traditionally in our community, Berlin has been the city that symbolizes international lifestyle, access, value for the dollar. But this year we're seeing a very, very strong push from Barcelona, a place that I recently visited for the first time and completely fell in love with. So I called people with experience living there to ask them all about the city and how they feel about it. My first guest, Chris Reynolds, who blogs over at theoneeffect.com, actually set up a few apartments. So he was the organizer of a cabal of DCers that are heading to the city. And so I wanted to get just some inside information from him about what it's like to live in Barcelona and why he fell in love with it. Chris and I had a lot to talk about. Part of his inspiration was that he wanted to live in Costa Rica. That's how he got started with this full-time travel lifestyle back in 2011. So I started off by asking him, you know, how does he deal with the criticism of people saying, ah, that's not a sustainable plan. That's so lifestyle oriented. (laughs) How do you deal with that criticism? And then as the episode moves on, we'll get into some more concrete things about living and running a business from Spain. My goal was to live on a beach in Costa Rica and 99% of the people say they want to do something like that, but they never do anything with their lives like that. Whether it's sustainable or not, that you at least tried. You know, you made that leap and you took that leap forward. So kudos to the person that tries because I'd rather have the person on my side that goes out and tries something than just talks about it or the person that kills that dream because they tell somebody that they can't. For me, traveling is just like, it's inherent in me and people like us. Even when I come back home to Missouri, it doesn't feel right being here for too long because I need to see the world. And it's just one of my purposes in life. And it's almost as necessary as food. You know, that like dream of sitting on the beach in Costa Rica or whatever you were doing in Costa Rica, did it meet the expectations that you had for it when you were dreaming of it? Yes and no, because I think we attach some type of fulfillment to travel, especially long-term travel. And sometimes we can get that and sometimes we can't. It did, you know, because it was so great living on a beach in Costa Rica and, and living in Peru and living in Spain. The experiences are priceless. But at the same time, for me personally, there was something missing, like working towards some type of higher purpose or maybe that I haven't found. It's about the journey. It's not about being on a beach in Costa Rica, but it's about going to a beach in Costa Rica and then learning what's next. The reason that I gave you a ring, Chris, is you wrote this post in the D.C. called Barcelona, a D.C. hub in 2015. I'm just curious to pick your brain about this city because with location independence spreading and remote work and all this kind of stuff, we're doing all this like, you know, I've been to this place and you're comparing cities And you kind of showed up in Barcelona and had, I guess, an emotional feeling about it. So describe to me how you felt the first time you went to Barcelona. And maybe we can like break down why this might be a great city for location independent entrepreneurs. Probably within two weeks, I knew that I wanted to stay for a while for a couple of reasons. There's a vibe in Barcelona. If you've ever been to San Francisco, I think it's similar. There's just something going on there that's kind of unexplainable. Like it feels like you're part of something bigger. And Barcelona always has something going on. The people there are great. They're very respectful of international people. It's a very international city. It just felt right. And then I started to get online because I wanted to meet some like-minded people. There were a few DCers there, and I really liked them. I got on like meetups and couchsurfing, and there was a lot of like-minded people. It felt right. You know, Costa Rica was great, but it didn't have the like-minded people. It had a bunch of people that just wanted to hang out on the beach all day long. Peru was great, but again, it missed the like-minded people. Other cities in Spain were great, like Madrid, Marbella, Sevilla. They were all fantastic. 
executed and in the north of Spain. But again, it didn't have that like-minded vibe. And in Barcelona, it had it. And I hadn't seen it in any other city that I had traveled to other than maybe like San Francisco or San Diego right in there. And so that's what, within a couple of weeks, I knew that I wanted to stay there a long time. Plus, there's a really good dating scene there. And I like that. For people who haven't been to Barcelona, could you sort of describe the basic setup of the city and how it works? So it's not incredibly large. It's a big city, but land-wise, it's smaller. So you can get everywhere within about 30 minutes on a metro or the bus or walking, everywhere you really need to go. It's surrounded by mountains, and it's on the beach on the Mediterranean. It's a warm climate, so similar to Southern California climate, where you can go to the beach maybe nine months out of the year, eight months out of the year. But it's near the mountains, so within an hour and a half to two hours in the winter, you could be skiing or hiking in the mountains in the summer or whatever you like to do. It's very international. A lot of people in Europe really want to live in Barcelona. And if they're not living there, they're coming on holiday to Barcelona. It's a very old city. So in the center of the city, there's a lot of old Spanish historical buildings, a lot of roads that are no wider than maybe 10 feet. And there's really tall buildings on both sides and you can get lost in this maze of these old buildings that are hundreds of years old. And it's a friendly place. You can ride bikes, you can rent a bike and go all over the city. A lot of history there. There's people playing music on the streets. There's a very nice social scene. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and the beach. The beach is great. Next, I talk to a German entrepreneur who has a similar feeling about Barcelona. He runs a great website, by the way, called tooltester.net. A lot of the business stuff didn't make it into this episode, but I did ask him about affiliate marketing and how it works and what people don't understand about it. And Robert said that the biggest thing people don't understand is how important in-person relationships are. So there you go. For the prototypical affiliate business, you think you never need to meet anybody, but Robert's piece of advice was, you know, meet people in real life. You're going to find that you're going to have a much better, easier time getting good deals and selling their products for them as an affiliate. So anyway, I just want to get Robert's background because Robert's interesting in that he actually set up his business in Spain. I started off by asking Robert about his transition from living in Germany to moving to Barcelona. I always dreamt of going to Barcelona For the very first time when I got here, I somehow fell in love with this city. I had to work a little bit that my girlfriend gave up her job and comes with me to Barcelona. That took me two years, but finally we got here. When you had the idea that you were going to quit your job and start your own business, was that a stressful thing for the relationship? Or was it like you guys were both really excited about that prospect? Uh, It was quite funny because my business and the relationship came more or less at the same time. She was actually very supportive because her father was also an entrepreneur and still is. And she didn't stop me from starting my own business, even though I was kind of scared, to be honest, to make the leap. When you saw in the D.C. that there was going to be a bunch of D.C.ers thinking about coming to Barcelona in the summertime, what was your impression of that? And what, in your view, is the attraction of the city? Well, I was quite excited that more DCS will be here because, to be honest, one thing that's really missing here is more entrepreneurial activity. I mean, there's the occasional startup here and there. But it really could be more. So I'm quite excited about that. The main attraction of Barcelona, I mean, there are so many. You have been here, so there's sea, there's mountains. You have beautiful surroundings of Barcelona. 
The people are very nice. They make it very easy to integrate yourself into the society here. They're very open. As you know, the food is really great. So I don't really miss a lot of things here. Now, Chris and Robert are going to come back a little bit later in the show, and and I'm going to ask them some concrete questions about, you know, how much does it cost to live there? How did you guys set up your business? What about hiring locals? What about the visa? Those kinds of nuts and bolts things. But before we get into that, I thought it would be interesting to talk with a local Spanish entrepreneur and see what their perspective is, not only about, you know, living and doing business in Spain, but what it might be like for a foreigner to come into that situation. And the first person that jumped into my head was Christina. Now, Christina's business helps entrepreneurs systematize. She helps solopreneurs sort of get from that first level of making money to the next level of scale. You know, I know there's so many people on the show and so many links and stuff. So again, just tropicalmba.com slash Spain. So Christina is a long-term TMBA listener, and I was very curious to hear about her perspective about living in Spain. But we start the interview by talking about that moment when she left the corporate world and started her own business. That's when I started thinking, I need to do something for myself. You always think about that, but you never find the the right time. So when the crisis hit my company, you know, it was a financial company. So half of the people were laid off and I was one of them. And the first night I cried a lot because I thought, oh my God, what am I going to do with my life now? How am I going to pay rent? But the next morning I woke up and I was feeling so relieved and so happy. And I thought, now is the time to do what I want to do. Then it took me a few more months to figure out everything, of course. It's not something that happens instantly. I want to be the owner of my life. If I fail, it will be my failure. If I succeed, it will be mine too. It's not going to be someone else's. All of these solopreneurs, they have a difficulty letting go of control. They're having momentum. And you're coming in there basically trying to help them get past this mental barrier. The biggest mistake is not to take it as a change in your mindset. You have to stop being a solopreneur and you have to start being a business owner and acting like that. You must change your framework. That's what changes everything and what allows you to grow your business. Can you talk about how your relationship to time has changed since 2008? You've been an independent entrepreneur for a long time now. I work very hard and I work a lot, but I enjoy it because I can take time whenever I need it or whenever I want. I try to be very disciplined. I try to work every day the same hours. But if one day something comes up or if I'm burned out and I need to go out and to the beach, I can do it because I'm free. I'm the owner of my own time. I spend most of my time working at home. I like that, but I need to travel. That makes me feel good with myself and it opens my mind and keeps the creativity and the energy flowing. I need to be able to do it whenever I want and whenever I need it. This is what being my own boss gives me. It gives me freedom. What was your first impression when you heard that so many DCers were planning to move to Barcelona? What is your view? Like, what is the attraction of Barcelona? And did you think it was crazy or did you think it was a good thing? Or what was your impression? Well, I got really, really excited because I've always thought that Barcelona is a perfect DC hub. I was actually surprised that Barcelona was not mentioned very often in the DC. I think people haven't discovered it yet. 
which is weird because Barcelona is a very common place to travel for Americans and for other Europeans. What is the attraction of that city to entrepreneurs? Like, why do you think it's such an attractive place? It's the vibe. I mean, there's something in the air in that place. It's a gorgeous city. It's very historical. It's very beautiful. It also has a beach. And the people are so open to foreigners. I love it. I mean, it's like you get there and you feel something. And then you start meeting other entrepreneurs and then you realize that they feel it too. From a Spanish person's perspective, what kind of person would be attracted to Madrid versus Barcelona? Madrid gives you a different kind of lifestyle. It's like more serious, but you have a lot of business opportunities for traditional businesses or more established businesses. Madrid is a great place. Barcelona is more like bohemian. There are not so many differences in the end between Madrid and Barcelona. I recently saw a map and we were commenting on it that said that 22% of Spanish people speak English. Is this true? And to what extent do you feel like an outsider would need to understand Spanish in order to get by in Spain? That's an easy question because my brother-in-law has just moved to Spain. He only speaks English, German, and Hebrew. He doesn't speak any Spanish, and he's telling me that it's difficult for him to speak with people in the supermarket or anywhere because nobody speaks English in, in where he lives. I guess it's more difficult than I thought, but <laughs> I really believe that in big cities like Madrid, he lives in Salamanca, but in big cities like Madrid or Barcelona, I don't think foreigners have problems with the language. Maybe that 22% is too low when we speak about Madrid or Barcelona. More people speak English in those places. Our kids these days go to bilingual schools. They are very focused on learning other languages. People under 40 speak quite good English. One of the things, unfortunately, that's been like worldwide talked about Spain is the unemployment rate. What is your perspective on the unemployment rate? How does that affect the day-to-day -day life in Spain? That's the biggest problem in Spain, and everybody is very worried about that. I'm not unemployed, but I'm worried because I know so many people around me who are, and they are very well prepared. We have very good education in Spain, but we don't have jobs for the educated people. That really worries me. We are losing so many years now comparing to other countries. We are stuck. The government cannot see how much we are losing. They are worried about the present, but they don't see the future. I also think that if the public administration was a little bit more focused on entrepreneurship and helping entrepreneurs, things could change a little bit. It's tough to be an entrepreneur in Spain. You have to pay a lot of taxes and you have to start paying from day one. Even if you haven't made any money at all, It's really, really difficult. And if you don't succeed, you still have to pay those taxes. You don't have money. So when you want to start a second thing, you first have to pay your debt. It's really difficult. And, and, and it's very sad that in 2015, we haven't realized how important it is for our country to create more businesses. Spain has long been famous in Europe as like the place to go when you have a holiday. And now it seems like it's getting a little bit more momentum with people who are on extended working holidays. And recently they've launched a few visas, you know, one for real estate investors and one for entrepreneurs. Have you heard anybody who's tried to get one of these? Do you know anything about that? It, it does seem like there's some progressive policy that I haven't seen from many other countries. Are you familiar with those? I've read about it. It's something very new. I think they introduced it four or five months ago. So we need time to see how it works. I really love that someone finally realized that we need this kind of policies. 
I just hope it really works because something that happens here very often is that we have great ideas and we are very open-minded and we want to do a lot of things to help entrepreneurs. But then when they write the laws, they make it so difficult again. It becomes useless. So I really hope these visas work in the long term and they don't become useless because of bureaucracy or things like that. So Christina, you've been listening to the show for a while. You know that Ian and I love music. If I had to play one song right now that you feel like captures the Spanish spirit in your view, what would it be? <laughs> Happy. <laughs> Are you uh, serious? I think it's Pharrell Williams. I'm not sure. It's been a hit during the last year. I think people are becoming happy in Spain, despite the, the crisis, the unemployment, the situation, everything. When you come to Spain, you feel happiness around. It, it didn't happen a few years ago, but things are changing slowly. And I think any foreigner coming to Spain can feel that too. I mean, it's in the air. So you're thinking of coming to Spain with a lot of other interesting entrepreneurs this summer? I am too. So my first question to Chris was, you know, how much is this going to cost me? I did really well on less than $1,400 a month, U.S. dollars. Actually, I was probably living closer to 1000 U.S. dollars a month. I had a very nice lifestyle. I eat really healthy, so I probably spend about 350 to $400 a month on food, eating very healthy. And I go out maybe three times a week, and I go out to eat and go have drinks with some friends. The cafe seems good. There's a lot of cafes that you can go, and you can get free Wi-Fi there and plug in and do your work. The shared work situation, there's a couple guys there in Barcelona that use it and they like it and there's quite a few. I've never used it myself. I had a roommate, another DC guy, Eric Paquette. He came and stayed with us for a month and he had a shared work arrangement. He said he really liked, there was a couple places he could have worked and he really liked them too. So they're available and they're pretty abundant. I'm really impressed about the $1,400 figure. Eric was mentioning the same thing to me, and it just seems like in terms of value for dollar, I mean, one of the things mm -hmm. I noticed about Barcelona is like there's a lot of different vibes in a very small place. Like there's part of the city that feels kind of like Berlin-esque, right? Like it's very industrial and hipster. There's the Gothic yeah. Quarter. There's like the beachfront. I mean, you can kind yeah. of like on a 30-minute walk, you can experience a lot of different vibes. There's the marina, you know, all that. It's also an incredibly clean place. I was like marveling at the streets. Like, I could fry an egg <laughs> on the street. Do you get that impression? I mean, they're investing a lot in like the kind of walkability. I mean, it just feels like a incredibly clean, well-organized city. They clean it every night because we lived on a street where they clean and we could hear them. And you're right. You know, you can walk in one neighborhood and be like in the touristy vibe, but then maybe 15 minutes later be in another neighborhood and be on the beach and maybe 10 minutes later be in another neighborhood and it's all locals. It's all Spanish and you can check out that scene. And so it's very diverse, if that makes sense. Two things I'd like to hear your comment on is why Spain and not like Germany, France and some of the other usual suspects. Also, I'm curious about the role that language plays in your life in Barcelona. Like how useful is it to know Spanish? What's the role of the Catalan language? You know, some people have said they don't even speak Spanish in Barcelona, which I found to be untrue completely. Yeah. Let me know why Spain in general. And then we'll talk about the language. I fell in love with the Spain. I first went there in 2013, and I, I went to a bunch of different cities in Spain. And it just has a great culture. It's a very nice, laid-back culture. Um, a lot of people say, like, the difference between London or New York and Spain is Spain is you can feel comfortable getting up at 10 a.m. People don't even go to bed till 1, 2, 3 in the morning, and that's common for families. 
also. So like in the evenings, you can see families out at a cafe at 11 p.m. with their kids, you know, and they're there until midnight and then they go home and they go to bed. It's much a different culture. The weather there is fantastic compared to the rest of Europe, really. I think it's just the weather for me and then the vibe that Barcelona has and the culture is so much different. You know, I've been to Germany. It's a great place. You know, I just don't, me personally, see myself there. I've been to England. I've been to Holland. I think for people like us, like Barcelona and Spain in general, it has what we need as DCers. And we need like-minded people. And we need things to do to keep our minds busy. And we need to be in a fun place. And also a place where we can go travel, you know, on a weekend trip to Amsterdam or whatever. And that's what it had for me. That's what I really liked about it. So now tell me a little bit about the language. There does seem to be differing stories. I mean, when you got that great apartment rate, were you negotiating in Spanish? Could you have done it in English? And how does Catalan play into this whole mix? A great number of people that live in Barcelona speak Catalan as their primary language. So I negotiated in English. My landlord, he spoke both English and Spanish. He was very well educated. Here's the deal. If you want to speak Spanish in Barcelona, if you want to speak English in Barcelona, you can do either. If you do not know Spanish, it doesn't matter if you want to know Spanish or not, you can go to Barcelona and live completely fine without having any language barriers. Almost everybody there speaks English. If you want to speak Spanish, you can go and you can practice your Spanish and they'll love you for it, for trying out your Spanish and probably even helping you. They're really very friendly people. Catalan didn't play much of a role at my time in Barcelona until I started dating a girl from Barcelona and then it started playing more of a role. It was cool to learn. Now, I don't know if you're an expert in this, but I know this is a big issue when we were talking about like having an event there and everything and it's top of mind for Europe. I mean, I can just come to a lot of places in the world and just stay for a couple years. But in Europe, you know, there's this visa. A lot of Western countries, you can only stay there for half of the year. And right. my understanding is that you can only really stay there for 90 days out of 180 days. So it's like two chunks at the opposite halves of the year. How old does somebody settle into Barcelona if they would like to stay longer term? There are temporary residency visas where, of course, if you invest in some real estate, then they'll give you that visa for uh, five years. Also, if you have a business producing enough income, like a lot of us do, you can get a temporary residency in there for five years as long as you prove that you have enough income. And I believe you have to have a, a sizable chunk in the bank. So you have to figure out how to show that you have a sizable chunk in the bank. There's another loophole, whether you want to share it or not, on the podcast. But you can get a second duplicate passport. Have you heard of those before, Dan? You're suggesting that you would get a second American passport and then come back into the... Yeah. Because the basic, what you're saying is like when you go to Europe, the controls are not... It's not like coming to the States where you're like, no. they're logging your fingerprint into it. I think I've came to France like last year and they didn't even stamp my passport. Well, Spain and Italy are pretty famous for not really caring. I just left Spain a month ago and they didn't even look at my stamps or anything. Just passed me out and let me go. Spain's worried about immigrants coming from Africa. They're not worried about U.S. citizens. They know that 99% of U.S. citizens there are injecting money into the economy. So they're not too worried about us. Is it a threat? Yeah, if you overstay your visa, it's possible. Chris Gillibold talks about this on his website, but you can get a duplicate passport. So for example, I was in Barcelona this year and I needed to go to Ghana and I had to actually physically mail my passport back to the United States so I could get a visa to travel from Spain into Ghana. And so then when it got mailed back to me in Spain, my passport got lost in the Spanish mail system. So then I got my passport back and, and it was fine. I got the visa, but I had missed my trip to Ghana because I had, I had no way to travel. So for people like that, 
that travel like we do, you can get an actual duplicate passport from the U.S. It's a different passport. It has a different number, a different picture. The only thing that's different about this one is it's only valid for two years, so you have to renew it after another two years. If somebody wanted to, they can come into the EU for three months, then they could fly out to the U.K. and get a stamp that you come out and you use the other passport to come back in for three months, and then you fly out after 90 days, and then you use the other passport to get come back in. Technically, by your passport standards, you're never in the EU more than those 90 days. I like that we're segging into gossip. Have you met people who've successfully executed that strategy? So just anecdotally, do you know people who are doing that and having it work out? I've never actually met people that have done it, but I've heard on a bunch of blogs of people doing it. I got a duplicate passport while I was back in the U.S. now, and I'm going to use that to go back to Barcelona this time. So we'll find out. I guess to end up the interview, I'm curious about like the project that you're pulling together. Like what motivated you and you got some apartments. Just tell me a little bit about what you're up to. You know, you see all over online people doing week or two week long workhouses, you know, and they may pay a few thousand dollars to go stay at a workhouse with other entrepreneurs and you get some really good stuff and have some really good brainstorming sessions. And I've always wanted to do something like that even just living with other people that are working online just work together and have some masterminds together and so just by chance when I was in Barcelona Eric Paquette came and he was looking for a place to stay and he stayed with us for a month and him and I just pulled numerous all-nighters we just pushed ourselves whether it's working out or learning language or working through our business and we had such a blast we had such a blast and, and bonded really well you know we have all these people in DC and we have the ability to live anywhere and live with each other and do the same thing that people are paying thousands of dollars to do. And we could do it for free other than travel expenses. And so I was talking to another DCer and we're like, hey, let's put it out on the forum to see if we can get a, a workhouse in, in Barcelona together. We put it out there and it got good responses. And so I said, hey, I'm going to start looking at flats to see if we can get a flat together. So I put it out on the forum and people were excited about it. I went and looked at a flat, put a couple options out on the forum and people said, hey, I want to sign up. And so I started collecting deposits and collecting <laughs> rent. Then we got more people and I was like, hey, maybe we need two flats. And so we started filling up the second flat and we got two flats. And then all of a sudden, like it was a thing and people got excited about it. And then even people were like, hey, man, is that, do we have a spot in the flat? And we're like, no, we don't really have a spot in the flat. <laughs> Well, I just want to thank you for doing that, man. I think that's inspiring and cool, and I'm going to come too. So you've inspired me. A little help from Barcelona's charisma and yours combined. Definitely getting me on a plane. Thanks so much for, for doing that, and I'll see you in a few months. Dude, yeah, I can't wait to meet you. It'll be a blast. And so Robert even took it a step further by setting up his business in Spain and hiring Spanish people and has some interesting insights into that. And this is also an emerging opportunity as Spain seems to be doing some innovative, I would even say Singapore-ish type things, but much cheaper with their visas, allowing startup entrepreneurs to set up shop in Spain as long as they intend to hire Spanish people. So I asked Robert a little bit about that and what his friends thought of him setting up a business in Spain. Yes, they tend to think I'm crazy and it is an inefficient place to do business if you don't know how to do it. I started my business in Germany and then moved it to Spain. I find it very similar, to be honest, but I think it would be very different for someone coming from the US or the UK 
because it's a lot more bureaucratic and things tend to take a lot of time. What I came to realize is that you just need a really good accountant. Then all these problems, they almost vanish. That's, I think, the key to having a successful business here. Of course, the taxes are not very low. I think they are comparable to Germany, which is not a very good thing. Hiring here is relatively cheap because the salary level is relatively low. So that's a good thing. Probably you heard it in the news that there's a lot of unemployed people here. When I hired my Spanish employee, I received 160 applications and most of them, to be honest, were not very good. But there were, I think, 12 very good ones. I found it easy to get an employee here and I'm also very happy with his work. He's very motivated and very eager to do a good job. So I'm really happy. What is the rental situation like in Barcelona? Can you just rock up and get a month-long furnished apartment or do you have to commit to a year and pay in advance? What is the system like? When I first came here, we got an Airbnb flat, which was very easy and not too expensive. Generally, I found it very easy to get a rental apartment. There's loads of places on the market. If you go for a regular rental contract, you have to sign it for one year at least. But I think there are also short-term leases. But just to give you an idea in rental prices, our apartment had about 80 square meters. I don't know how much that is in American measurements, but we paid something like 1,100 euros for a furnished apartment, which was quite pricey. Just two days ago, I learned that my neighbors, my Catalan neighbors, they only <laughs> pay 800 euros per month. So it goes back to the thing about speaking Spanish or not, I think. What would be your favorite top three neighborhoods that you'd want to live in in Barcelona? I very much like the Chample area. It's the place that is divided in grids, in blocks. But there's also Gracia, which a lot of people love. It's a bit more of a hipster place. Then the Desiers, they stay in Bourne, as far as I know which is a great place, but it's more touristy and it's louder. Barcelona can be very noisy. As I live here for a longer term now, I prefer it to be more quiet. One of the things people have been saying is that they were kind of shocked at how affordable Barcelona is. What's your perspective on that? And what would you say is a reasonable monthly budget? I think you should get along with around 1,500 euros if you're by yourself and maybe live in a shared apartment or something like that. I think 1,500 euro can buy you quite a nice lifestyle, especially food is not too expensive. Of course, you can't really compare it to Asian standards, but they have all these menu del dias, which only are around 10 euros or less even sometimes. I mean, prices in the supermarkets are not very expensive. And yeah, I find it affordable, especially if you go out having a beer or something like that. Rarely you pay more than three euros for a beer. And most of the time it's like 250 for a beer, which is really good, I think. A lot of times, you know, digital nomads and stuff, we bounce around a lot and keep going from place to place. And I know a lot of your friends do that. What is it about your mindset that even though you can constantly go wherever you want for years now, you've decided that Barcelona is going to be a place that you're going to be able to stay in? So I guess what is your travel and location independent philosophy? I do like the occasional trip to Asia for a couple of weeks, but I like Barcelona so much that I don't even have the need to travel that much. It's it's quite funny. When I, Back in Germany, I all the time I try to get away, but here I just 
feel really good and yeah, I don't need to travel that much anymore. And also maybe because I'm 34, um, maybe <laughs> I'm starting to think of settling down somehow. I do like being able to live anywhere still, even if I don't do it, it's great. Well, if you stuck around this far, you're probably thinking about coming to Spain this summer. I'm sorry that this didn't turn out to be like the ultimate guide to moving to Spain or whatever, but hopefully it got some of your imaginative juices flowing or gave you some helpful tips. Hopefully this is the beginning of the conversation and that maybe we'll all run into each other sometime in in the beautiful cities of Spain. So if you have any questions for us, if you'd like to share your experiences about living in Spain or any tips that you have for the audience, we'd absolutely love to hear from you. All the links to everybody interviewed, helpful articles for getting visas in Spain and all that will be at this week's episode, along with the whole discussion, tropicalmba.com slash Spain. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.